welcome to What Would Ani Say podcast, where three Ani share the challenges, joys, and everything in between growing up as Korean females in Canada with the hope to connect and empower the next generation of Korean-Canadian female leaders. Hosted by TK, Yuna Lee, and Ellie Hong. Welcome to episode 7, Imposter Syndrome, Korean-Canadian version. If you like listening to our content, don't forget to give us a follow on Instagram at what would Ani say. Ani is spelled U-N-N-I. In this episode, the Anis talk about imposter syndrome. What is imposter syndrome and how did it affect the Anis? We share our personal experiences of imposter syndrome and consider the role of gender, societal, and cultural influences and how it manifested in our lives. We also talk about strategies that can be used to lessen the impact of imposter syndrome. Now, before we get started, we just want our listeners to know the contents of this podcast are focused on sharing our personal experiences and learnings of imposter syndrome. While we're enthusiastic about this topic and really strive to present an educated perspective, we want to acknowledge that we do not have formal training on the topic, and therefore, this is certainly not an expert opinion on the subject matter. The contents of this podcast are strictly of our own views. So now that we have got that out of the way, let's dive in. So Ellie, I know you've been doing some readings on the matter of imposter syndrome. Can you tell us about what you found? Yeah, totally. Love, love that we're talking about this topic. First off, I want to say when I first heard or heard of this term imposter syndrome, I thought of my favorite TV show, Suits, and Mike Ross, he's an imposter lawyer pretending to be a lawyer, um, but he never actually went to Harvard Law, but he was a true imposter. But the fact is, a lot of people are not true imposters, but they feel like they're true imposters. And this is what I found in a lot of my readings. So I want to dive into a little bit of what imposter syndrome is, uh, but it's essentially uh, struggling with accurately attributing your success and performance to your actual skill and competence. So there's very, uh, there's several syndromes and they manifest in different symptoms. So see if you could relate to some of the symptoms of imposter syndrome that I'm going to list here. So it's feeling like success is impossible. It's feeling incompetent despite demonstrating competency. It's feeling like you're not meeting another person's expectations. It's feeling like your past successes and hard work were only due to luck. It's feeling uncomfortable with receiving praise or congratulations. It's feeling disappointed over current accomplishments. And it's feeling constant pressure to achieve or be better than before. So, I mean, I'm sure that I'm not alone in saying I could relate to a lot of these feelings and symptoms of imposter syndrome. And essentially, uh, imposter syndrome was first uh, coined uh, by psychologists Clarence and Imes. 
and they first described it in 1978, so a while back, and it really um, came into public attention after Clarence's book in 1985, and uh, it was originally identified among like high-achieving professional women because they were saying how much they were experiencing imposter syndrome, and then it started to kind of be more documented more among men as well as women, and then along multiple ethnic and racial groups. And we also know that imposter syndrome also has like links to depression, anxiety, and it's also associated with impaired job performance, job satisfaction, and burnout amongst um, employee populations. So super excited to to talk about this topic because I know it's something perhaps a lot of our listeners can can relate to. Uh, and that being said, TK, what have you heard about imposter syndrome? Yeah, so, oh my gosh, when you were listing all of the feelings, it was kind of like, you know, when those games where you just like, put your hand down if you feel like blah, if you feel like blah, <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, I feel like I felt everything that you have listed. Right? So I was like, oh my goodness. Um, but yeah, like love the fact that, um, as you mentioned, that we're talking about this, I think it's super important to raise awareness and just continue the discussion. But um, I think I heard about imposter syndrome maybe starting like later years in university, earlier in my career. Um, but how I heard about it was imposter syndrome is basically an internal perception that you're not as competent and others perceive you um, as, as others perceive you to be. And then you feel like you're, you're like afraid of being exposed um, as a fraud. And as you mentioned, like I heard, it's very prevalent amongst um, high achievers, you know, who find it really difficult to believe that their accomplishments are because of their competency and their skills, but it's because of like external environmental factors like luck or team or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and that leads to, you know, feelings of, you know, high insecurity and self-doubt. So that's kind of like what I've heard about imposter syndrome. And I actually attended a conference um, held by the Network of Executive Women here in Toronto, where um, Niha Sampat, uh, she's the CEO and founder of Gen Lead Belong Lab, and she actually spoke about imposter syndrome. And one thing that really stuck out to me was 70% of women specifically feel like they have imposter syndrome, um, which is wild and she said the more of a higher achiever you are and the more that you're marginalized whether you're from a visible minority or not um, the more you're likely to have imposter syndrome so the fact that she layered in you know high achievers having or more likely to have imposter syndrome um, if you're marginalized and also if you're female like you're more likely to have it so I thought that was like kind of shocking to hear um, but that's kind of how I came across impo imposter syndrome lately. Um, but I know, I know, uh, Yuna, like, what are your thoughts on imposter syndrome? I, I wonder if you heard anything different. Well, like, first of all, I just want to say like 70%, like, wow, that is I know. such a high number. That is majority of like, you know, woman. And yeah, no, I was just thinking like, 
you might actually have imposter syndrome, but not even have known that you have imposter syndrome, right? It was, it's one of those things that once you hear the definition, you're like, oh, that's why I might be feeling what I might be feeling, right? So I wonder if even the number is higher because some women just are not even aware that they have it. Oh, it might be true. Yeah, maybe. Just thinking about like imposter syndrome, it's evidently a very prominent phenomenon and interestingly in like minority and um, minority groups and in women Um, so I came across kind of like while I was doing doing some research for this podcast I came across an article in the New York Times about dealing with imposter syndrome when you're treated as an imposter so that article really caught my eye because I was like hmm what do you mean by that Um, This article really talks about like as a minority group, how it can actually have a compounded effect on you when you are experiencing this imposter syndrome, because not only do you have an internal feeling of being out of place and not being able to trust your successes as your own and um, celebrate your achievements, but you're also kind of viewed from the outside as not belonging there and you know less competent than you are just because of like the way you look or because of your cultural background or your accent perhaps um so i thought that was a really interesting take on it and very relevant to um to us um being in a minority group and also being a woman some researchers do believe um, when it comes to like the hard uh, science facts that it hits minority groups harder as a lack of representation and that can definitely translate to making minorities feel like they're an outsider but there isn't actually a lot of um, like deep research being done on it as of yet there's some research but not a ton of research And so Kevin Coakley, who's a professor of education of psychology and African culture um, at the University of Texas, has found some evidence regarding that discrimination creates even more stress and anxiety when it's coupled with imposter syndrome. So not to say that like um, he stressed that it's not to say that one causes the other, but there is definitely a link between the two. And also feeling like an imposter can actually worsen the impact of discrimination as well. So it's kind of like um, like a negative uh, spiraling cycle. Um, and so I thought that was really hugely interesting. And I wondered, I haven't found any specific information for East Asian um, immigrants or East Asian background. But I wondered, like if that could also translate to similar sort of an effect on you know east asian population yeah and i also wonder like if there's even research out there i'm sure there is but i don't know if this is even a topic that you know we talk about as like east asians or koreans i think it's just something that we kind of put on the back burner a little bit um so yeah like i think I think it's so important to talk about it, you know, within our circles, within our community, but it's it's very um it's very hard and challenging to even come across research that's specific towards the impact of imposter syndrome to East Asians. Yeah, like definitely to your point TK, like it's so important to talk about it because like and like Ellie 
like you said earlier, like some people don't actually know what they're feeling is a form of imposter syndrome. So they think it's actually, they might think it's actually real, like that feeling of, you know, having doubt about your success and not being able to um, attribute uh, successes to your competencies. They might think it's not, you know, deserved. Yeah, and I think that's why it's so important to talk about it. Back to your point there, TK, uh, is because if you talk about it, you normalize it, and you realize it's actually you know, a very ubiquitous, widespread experience that a lot of high-achieving women like yourself might be dealing with. Yeah, and um, another perspective that was presented in, in this article was that... Um, by another authority on this matter, Rosanna Drudy, um, who is the head of global diversity, inclusion and belonging at LinkedIn. Um, she quoted that as a minority, you can begin to dismiss your own perspectives, credibility and authority. And that could have a huge impact on your career and on your education and just generally in your achievements in life. And she said that being alone really puts you in a circumstance, quote unquote, where you're not only questioning yourself but also looking for agreement in others so it leads to certain types of behaviors where you are looking for these specific things um, which may impact you know how you present to the outside world so I thought that was really um, an interesting sort of background and different perspectives um, that are you know out there about imposter syndrome um, so I just thought that it would be good to share those things with the listeners. But I just want to share about what was the impact of imposter syndrome, you know, more personally on our lives. Um, so Ellie, I'm really wondering what was the impact of imposter syndrome personally on your life? Can you share that with us? Yeah, I mean, it has manifested in so many ways. And this has been such an exercise of just doing a dive back or blast back to the past and seeing, oh, my God, that was a manifestation of imposter syndrome in my life. And I didn't realize it was. Um, and I think it's yeah, I mean, it started as soon as, you know, when I was young, all the way in high school. I remember like I was always in very academically competitive programs and I always felt imposter syndrome. So in high school, I was an IB and it was just a lot of uh, high performing students. Uh, so constantly feeling like everyone around you knows what they're doing and you don't, I think. Um, and that pushing me to to work even harder and to kind of exhibit a lot of those perfectionistic tendencies and all the way into undergrad going into like McMaster HealthSci, um, a lot of like pre-med students, like very high achieving and also feeling like, you know, everyone is, is so smart. They don't sleep. They're machines. Like I need to keep up with that. Um, and, and again, feeling like that sense of inadequacy all the time uh, and feeling like I got into the program by luck. Like I know that's such a hard program to get into. And it wasn't skill. I thought that got me into it. I remember I was like, oh, no, it's luck. You know, um, they just really liked my essay or I just got lucky. So, again, ascribing those successes and um, into like external factors rather than my own skill and competence was definitely something I did. Uh, and 
all the way to even now um i would say those perfectionistic tendencies like when i'm you know starting to work on building uh, my own kind of online business uh currently uh, when i'm trying to create content <laughs> um and i'm trying to create digestible content whether it be on instagram or uh different online modules uh having a hard time maybe making something digestible and putting it out in the world because i can't release it unless it's perfect <laughs> especially if it's a type of content that i'm working on myself i think this podcast is different because i'm i'm doing it with you guys but if it was something that was completely mine and i'm putting it out as mine i think those perfectionistic tendencies definitely get heightened because i, I feel that responsibility of like it's all on me mm. and i need to create like the perfect content because it's if anything's off it's like fully on me so I think that puts a lot of pressure and it almost inhibits me from taking concrete action, maybe in my business. Um, and then that feeling like throughout my life, I think. Um, and I remember we talked about this uh, TK too in a previous episode about like kind of that uh, idea of being like perfect no matter what in school and no matter what cost to mental health. I mean, for me, it was very extreme. I remember during school, I would cut down on a lot of sleep, never take breaks like when I'm studying um, and then like feeling really guilty and feeling inadequate if I stop being productive for one day. Like if I had a day where I was watching Korean dramas for the whole day and I binged <laughs> the next day, I would not feel good. I wouldn't feel adequate. I would feel like, you know, I'm really behind the eight ball and everyone was studying all the time. So constantly feeling like I'm in this like rat race that I could never like catch up to almost and it's not like there was ever a point that I felt like I reached that point it was constantly you know I had to keep pushing more work harder so um, that definitely manifested in my life and I would say even now like in the workplace a little bit um, just feeling like I constantly have to hustle to show my worth in the workplace and feeling like I can never take breaks <laughs> so feeling like breaks are a sign of weakness and uh, I have a hard time scheduling like lunch and dinner breaks, which sounds so crazy. And I actually for the first time scheduled them for like two weeks from now. Um, Yay. Yeah, 15 minute lunch breaks. <laughs> Let's not be extreme here. Um, and like baby dinner steps, breaks, baby steps. baby steps. But it's this idea that like if I take breaks, it's like, well, I can't catch up or I'll be behind or I'm, I'm not performing to 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 my highest level which is ridiculous because if you if i think about it rationally i'm like no we're human we're not machines we need to do take breaks and breaks allows me to perform better so it's just interesting um how like imposter syndrome in a way manifests even currently um but it's just not even in a way that i like really recognize it is until i uh, like do this exercise of really reflecting and thinking about how it's weaved into the fabric of my life in such a stealth way <laughs> that i even realized it was an imposture that was lurking in my life <laughs> if if that makes sense and then um and then i would say uh, like kind of like even in a social setting i think definitely growing up in a very like western society um like in a very like you know white dominant society with a lot of western cultural references maybe it's actors names or shows that people would reference in a social setting feeling like i'm not um culturally competent in that setting and feeling like i constantly have to do a lot of catch up uh to even uh like 
be an adequate networker maybe amongst colleagues that are that are of a Western background and not really fully embracing my own unique strengths and interests to that conversation. So not really being like maybe proud or forward of like, oh, this is like maybe the Korean shows I watch, um, feeling like almost instead inadequate because I can't relate to some of the maybe the Western shows they watch or maybe some of the um, different uh, cultural things that they might reference. So, uh, yeah, that was a mouthful. But I think those are all the ways that imposter syndrome in a nutshell has manifested in, in my life in very subtle, but I would say definitely very profound, profound ways. Uh, and I just want to say this because I thought of this earlier is we're in fact being an imposter to ourselves by saying we're imposter. Whoa. So think about oh that. my God. <laughs> think about Inception. Mind blown. Inception. <laughs> we're an imposter to ourselves by saying we are the imposter. So on that note. <laughs> oh my God. Why would you do that? Why would on you that do note. that to <laughs> Mic drop. Uh, on that note. Um, ever edit the podcast <laughs> think about this for the next 48 hours <laughs> and long pause uh, on that note uh, Yuna I mean uh, Mike back to you um, how has imposter syndrome really manifested in your life yeah um, before I dive into sort of my experience I just want to say that I related to so many of the things that you talked about um, in terms of your experience and especially when you were talking about um being like the social imposter like in the western world like I just felt I think in such a similar way way where I felt like oh like these cultural references like I don't really get what that means and it kind of like makes me feel you know like I don't belong I feel left out and I sometimes even feel stupid um, because it's kind of like um, assumed like you know um, assumed quietly that we everybody would know about these things but in fact like i didn't so i was kind of like oh like i don't have anything to say i don't have anything to contribute um so yeah definitely like one facet of that was my experience um but adding kind of more onto that i think for me a very prominent feeling that i have when i think about imposter syndrome in my life is um a feeling of self-doubt so whether it's um, just constantly doubting like whether my opinions are valid or if it's worthy of sharing, if anyone's going to be interested in them, um, that really like keeps me kind of silent and keeping my opinions to myself. And so one of the ways that it really manifested for me uh, in my early days um, back in university when I was applying to get into pharmacy school and I was initially waitlisted for that school. So now I was waiting and um, kind of hoping that I would get in, but I wasn't really sure. But when I finally got the call that like I got into the program, I truly felt that I just got in out of luck. Like that was it. Like it was not my hard work. It wasn't that, you know, I was competent enough. It wasn't that there was something in me that, you know, could be successful as a pharmacist. But I got waitlisted and other people don't want to want to didn't want to get in. So therefore, I got in out of luck. So that was kind of like how it initially, um, I think, manifested. And then as I started my career, um, I think it initially became much worse because like the reality of the uh, public 
facing career, um, like being a pharmacist in a community setting, is that anybody could walk into a pharmacy and people have very like diverse perspectives on just how they perceive everything. So like some of the patients uh, would look at me and, you know, like just for a visual reference, because like this is we are in a podcast, I'm like five foot three, like so I'm a pretty like small Asian woman. And also being Asian woman, I tend to look a little bit younger than the actual biological age. And so a lot of people would like look at me and think that I'm either like a student or that I was like a cashier. And so they would often say to me, like, even though I'm fully licensed and I'm working in this job, they would be like, where's the pharmacist? Can I talk to the pharmacist, please? And they would kind of like brush me off as if like I just did it really. Oh, no. (laughs) No, they did not. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So definitely not everyone. But like I said, um, a few percentage of the people that I encountered had this kind of a bias. Um, and so that really played into like, and really confirmed like my feelings of imposter syndrome, like, oh my God, what am I doing here? Like people don't even take me seriously. And sometimes like I would eventually garner up the courage to tell them, you know, oh, I am the pharmacist. How can I help you today? And then they would proceed to say, can I speak to a different pharmacist? Wow, <laughs> they did not. So they would be like, what about that male? Um, what about that guy in the back? So like I would work with technicians and sometimes like they were males and they were older and they were, oh, you know. Oh my goodness. Um, this triggers me so much. <laughs> I, my heart is just like, yo, I'm supposed, to, I'm going to claw somebody. <laughs> <laughs> TK is getting her claws out. <laughs> mental claw, mental claws. Wow, Um, I can't believe they said that. Yeah, well, me neither. (laughs) So (laughs) that was my sort of early experience. Um, And also, you know, being new at a job, like you have a little bit of like doubts about your abilities. You don't have as much experience. And having that kind of an encounter really affected my self-esteem and my self-confidence. Um, and whenever I would actually get like a compliment or like even acknowledgements or gratitudes, I would think that, oh, they're saying this to me because this patient is a nice person. And like, it's not because like I did something well or I made a difference. Like it's because they were a nice person. So I would like kind of uh, brush off these kinds of positive comments and only because I already was in that negative lens, I would only pick up on sort of the negative things and I would you know um, remember those things more and make them to mean deeper things about me than than it should so that's kind of how it manifested for me in my career as a pharmacist Um, and then like I think another big way that I think I can see it even now is when we were making this podcast Um, And that was a big one because it was putting my voice out into the world. And just I was wondering every single day if it will truly have any kind of a value, um, if it will, if people will actually want to listen to it or if they're just going to brush it off. And just kind of like this feeling of like, what if I say something wrong? I don't know if you guys ever think that when you're recording a podcast, but this is definitely like one of the things that go through my mind. 
Yes, I have definitely thought of that. But then I thought, well, we could always edit it out. (laughs) 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 Thank God for the edit feature because we could always edit it. So it's not permanent. (laughs) This is not a live podcast. So that helped calm my anxiety about that. Yes, that's definitely (laughs) a helpful aspect of, you know, having a podcast as a medium. Um, But then when it came to sharing the podcast like because i upload the episodes and like i schedule uh, when it's going to go live once that was up i would just feel so doubtful and i would be in so much anxiety over whether i should truly really put this out into the world or if i should just like you know, reach out to TK and Ellie and just be like, you know what, guys, I don't think this episode can go live. I think we should do a re-recording. <laughs> I don't think this is what we're supposed to do. Like, I think we can do better. So that's kind of like... <laughs> and you're like the most eloquently spoken person here. So, <laughs> I mean, you say this, but I definitely don't ever feel that way. And I think... So that's one of the things that like go through my mind is definitely like, oh my God, I can't publish this. And then I do it anyways. <laughs> and then I just do it anyways. Because we ask you to. <laughs> because I can't just back the out of The beauty of peer pressure. <laughs> <laughs> and truly beautiful is this peer pressure because a few times I really needed to talk it out with you guys, um, as you guys know. And... I would confide in you guys and tell you this is, you know, what I'm feeling. This is like the anxiety and this is the doubt that I'm having. And you guys would be able to kind of uh, allow me to see a different perspective and remind me of like why we're doing it and how it's going to be a journey of growth and not one of perfection um, or chasing for perfection. So I am truly grateful that for that experience. Yeah, I just want to mention, I think one of the things that I find really help with imposter syndrome is uh, like, you know, who is this for really having a purpose behind it? Because I think that helps you overcome maybe some of the imposter syndrome. So like talking about this podcast, you know, it's really for our listeners and to, uh, to be relatable and for them to really grow and learn from our podcast. So when we think about that, um, you know, it really helped us kind of overcome a lot of our own imposter syndromes, I think, with putting this content out there. Absolutely, which is why all the more that we must um, talk about this and why it's so meaningful for us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so now that I've talked up a storm, I'm wondering, TK, what was your experience like? Oh my goodness. I mean, I I told you girls before, but like when I was talking to you guys about imposter syndrome and when we shared experiences like before we started recording this episode, um, I felt almost relieved because of the fact that there are other people, other Korean Canadian females out there who also felt the same way or similar ways about growing up in a Canadian society, growing up as a high achiever, growing up as a um, as a strong female, like basically character in your own life. So 
um, I really am very happy at the fact that, you know, we are all friends, but also that we are using this platform to share our story. So I just wanted to put that out there. I'm very grateful. I have my hand on my heart. (laughs) (laughs) I know, I see that. (laughs) Are we all doing this right now? Um... But honestly, I would say kind of building on to your experiences. I don't know if you guys guys like got this too, but like when I was growing up, like I always got not feedback, but like um, kind of like guidance from my parents being like, if you achieve something or if you accomplish something, like be humble, mm. be so, so humble to a point where I almost like now automatically gravitate towards like being grateful of something happening to me to like external factors. So I always got taught as like a Korean value. Don't be cocky, be humble um, and always be thankful to like other people or like other factors within your environment um, and don't really like associate your accomplishments and your success toward yourself and your skills so like that's kind of like the value that I grew up on so it was really hard for me to unlearn that and I'm still unlearning it um to be like okay no I got this promotion because I'm a hard worker and I am very much competent to be in this role versus I got this role because you know things just worked out there was like nobody for this role blah 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 or you know I got this opportunity because you know it just kind of fell in my lap because nobody wanted it blah 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 so it's like kind of unlearning that Korean value that got instilled in me um, is still work in progress, but that's something that I realized really kind of um, flourished my imposter syndrome. Like, no, like the success that I have in my life right now is not because of my competency. It's not because of my talent, my skills, my hard work ethic. It's actually because of everything else that's happening within my life. Um, that's like outside of my like control so that's something that really came to me and um like personally like I think that also translated to me trying to be super perfect probably like you Ellie like you know productivity is like how I counted myself worth so it's like as similar to you like no breaks like high marks you know like everything that you do has to be a hundred percent perfect so I think it just kind of fueled imposter syndrome in my life that way and as you guys know like I'm a very private person I try to articulate as much as possible so I think even right now like I don't know my real me (laughs) is that weird like I think I'm very blunt actually I got that a lot as a as a kid like I'm very blunt um so I try so hard like throughout the years to soften my language soften the communication and be more self-aware as to like and have empathy to like um communicate better to other people about my feelings and my thoughts so it just like a lot of upbringing 
values that I got instilled and grew up with as a Korean Canadian, but also kind of like on the flip side, that personal pressure to be perfect because I got certain feedback when I was a kid to um, to work on that constantly. So I think that's kind of how imposter syndrome flourished in my life. Yeah, TK, I mean, I could totally relate to you. I mean, similar um, kind of manifestations of imposter syndrome of that perfectionistic tendencies. And totally, when you were talking about the parents and them kind of attributing successes to external factors, I could totally relate to that. Like my mom was very big on like humility, being humble. And she was also very religious. So she would be like, oh, this was God's plan or this was, you know, um, God opened this door for you rather than no, this was your hard work or this is something that you work towards or this is because you stayed up X amount of hours to study for that test. So I could completely relate and I didn't actually realize until you mentioned it um, how that had an impact on me and um, how that caused me initially to externalize perhaps some of the success I was having um, throughout my throughout my career. Yeah, and that um, I was actually talking about this with my therapist and um, I'm going through therapy just looking at different like social sort of skills or anxiety and also like just working on my confidence because that's an area that I really want a boost on in my life. And um, she she um, got me to she asked me to highlight like my personal strengths and when I like try to think of it on the spot like I had no strength so <laughs> I was kind of like um what? What? <laughs> I, was, you know? I, I was kind of totally uh, like let's pause there for a minute there are you have a <laughs> lot of strengths <laughs> yes oh my god. and gosh. you guys are such good you know uplifters um as my friends and as my community so hugely appreciate but like that was literally the response that um I had was like my mind went blank and I was like tongue-tied and I was like I work hard <laughs> and then my therapist just kind of laughed and she said um that in the traditional Korean culture they're um we're brought up strongly with the values of Confucianism which is like a branch of like philosophy slash like religion and in this philosophy like the values of you know humility and like kind of letting go of your ego and these kinds of concepts are like very much emphasized and so it was really interesting because she highlighted to me that that's probably where my parents like came from when they you know um, instilled these values in me and she said that she actually saw this a lot with like um like koreans um that it's difficult for us to actually um compliment ourselves or highlight our strengths yes yeah that's so, <laughs> true. That's so true oh my god yeah. so yeah. it was a form of validation um that i received i think um but but that was very enlightening for me so i just thought i would share that yeah thanks for sharing yeah and you know, we, we kind of like talked about, oh gosh, like what is imposter syndrome and like how imposter syndrome like really impacted our lives. And it just kind of got me thinking, it's like, how can we lessen the impact as we unlearn, you know, some of the values that were instilled in us <laughs> when we were, you know, kids. 
and um, make sure that we're not holding ourselves back from achieving our full potential. Um, and there were there were kind of like four things that I thought would be super important to share with, with our listeners. Um, the first thing is recognizing that you do have it or you have some sort of imposter syndrome. I think embracing it, recognizing it, calling it out is super important of itself and it is the most important step I think um, of tackling this phenomenon and then the second thing is like positive self-talk through either intentional internal reflection or journaling like what did I accomplish this week and kind of like you know what your therapist asked about what are your strengths um, I think those positive self-talk is super important and also relating it back to what you did and not this happened because of all of these external factors of luck of, you know, somebody dropped out or like whatever. I think that itself is, you know, really important. And then third, I think having a support system is huge. Like what we're doing now and I know obviously with you guys like I can talk about this kind of freely and without judgment um with with confidence um with you guys so having the support system people that you identify with um that may be going through similar situations or feelings people who can really uplift each other I think is huge um and the last but not least is actually from Nia Sempat um that I talked about when I attended the conference not too long ago and one really interesting thing that she said about overcoming imposter syndrome specifically for women and I really want our listeners to hear this too is that she said um you know just ask yourself is it that I am really unqualified or is it because I'm uniquely qualified? So mm, I really I like that. the fact that she mentioned that. It's like it's reframing the question that gold. you say to yourself internally mm. um, to overcome imposter syndrome and get back to you on why you deserve something in your life. So I just really wanted to share those four kind of tips with our listeners that I picked up along the way um, of also, you know, recognizing that, yes, I do have imposter syndrome and here are things that I'm working on to overcome that. And I would love to know what you girls are doing to overcome, you know, your level of imposter syndrome. So Ellie, why, why don't you share with our listeners? Yeah, I mean, on top of everything you said there, TK, which were all excellent points, I would say something that's really helped me is kind of asking for feedback, because I think if you ask for feedback with colleagues or your bosses, it, it kind of shines a mirror on maybe some of your skills or why you might be qualified for that position and they might shine a a light on maybe some of your strengths that you didn't even realize were strengths so I think feedback is valuable and something that could help make you feel like you're more competent and right for that role and again like um, know that you're not alone in it and normalizing it and hopefully this podcast have have got our listeners thinking about it and maybe starting up conversations about imposter syndrome and how it manifests in in their lives and 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 normalize it and I think uh personally for me kind of letting go of perfectionism a rule I like to use is the 70 percent rule so I know this is different from you know in school where you're trying to get like close to 100 percent uh but in real life like if you're trying to aim for 100 percent Sometimes it just won't get done because it takes 
forever to get to that 100% and trying to aim for 70%, (laughs) um, you know, complete or 70, not 70% complete, but 70% perfect. Um, So having content or putting work out there that is good but not perfect because you know that you're going to continue to grow i think allows you to have more of that growth mindset and realizing that you need to start somewhere and that the real world's not perfect and we're not perfect and i try to remind myself of this 70 percent rule whenever i'm trying to put out content out there and practicing a little bit of that self-compassion and I think staying open and saying yes to new opportunities is something that I find uh, really helpful because um, it keeps you uh, constantly um, growing and uh, keeps you curious. And uh, and I think lastly, uh, just kind of asking questions to some of the voices of imposter syndromes that you might be experiencing. So if you're feeling, you know, oh, am I qualified for this job? Maybe getting really curious about like where that might be coming from and just not judging yourself for it, but just kind of getting curious as to, you know, is this actually true? And, you know, and realizing maybe some of those voices come from maybe a survival instinct or something that's not really rooted in truth, but you're your mind's just trying to protect you and realize, okay, like I understand that brain, but you know, I'm still going to do this or I, and then kind of telling yourself another narrative. And I think that starts with being, being curious. Uh, yeah. So that, that, that are some, those are some things that's really worked for me in in my life. And I just want to say it's still a journey for me. Like I mentioned, I still struggle with imposter syndrome, so I wouldn't say I have it all figured out, but these are some tools I found that have really helped me. And, uh, yeah, that being said, what about you, Yuna? Well, I've been just listening to you girls, um, like strategies on fighting imposter syndrome and i'm just like wow like if i could do all of those things like i need to do all of them now (laughs) (laughs) progress baby steps baby steps one brick one brick at a time an imposter or what (laughs) just um but all kidding aside um i think there was a couple of things in what you guys mentioned that was really relevant for like my life and what i'm also doing Um, And one of them is definitely finding a supportive community. And just to shed a little bit of a different light on that, um, that aspect is that sometimes like you don't see that strength and that light in yourself, but it's easier to spot it in other people. Like it's so obvious, like, you know, like when I think of like you guys or like my other friends too, I'm like, they're so great. Like they're so lovely. They're, they have so many strengths and so many great attributes. Like I can't believe that they would have imposter syndrome. Like this is what I sometimes like think. And it's just so natural to think that. But when I think about like myself, it's like, you know, it's like night and day. It's a lot more difficult to see that in, um, in ourselves sometimes, I think. So I think um, uplifting others and being in a community where where um, you uplift each other is, I think, also really helpful to hear that positive um, through other people's voices when you can't see it for yourself. Although working to see it in yourself is also an important work to be done. Um, and another thing to that point is just learning to receive the compliments fully instead of kind of being like you know even like something really simple as like when somebody says oh like i love what you're wearing and you're like 
oh, I pulled out this thing from like three years ago. It's like really old, you know, like don't say things like that. Just say, oh, like, you know, this really makes me feel great too. Thank you for noticing. Um, and I think that's definitely a work in progress for me. And personally, writing is very therapeutic for me. So including a focus on growth goals and keeping track of my successes that I can kind of like almost like make an evidence file of so that, you know, I can like go back and look at them when I need um, when I need to find those things um, is also really helpful because like if you don't like for me, if I don't record some things like they kind of float away. And when you have imposter syndrome, you have a certain like way of looking at your life and almost like trying to get create evidence like against your own competencies I think is um, one of the ways that imposter syndrome manifests so it's kind of like fighting back in an opposite way by making a file of your positive attributes and being able to be like no this is like how I'm actually doing and this is how I'm progressing I think is um, is really helpful and I think lastly this is something that I think um, I maybe started realizing recently and i also heard it through a podcast that i am a big fan of called psychologist off the clock and i can link it to you know like one of our uh like podcast episodes um if anyone's interested but um one of the pot uh one of the psychologists talked about how imposter syndrome was first coined as a term imposter phenomenon so like in our current culture it was uh, a little bit like as it became popular like it became a little bit more pathologized almost um but it it's more of a phenomenon and i think having a recognition in that is also helpful and that this feeling of being an imposter is you know it can be debilitating but why just thinking about like why is it there like what is it trying to signal to us and i think that we'll find that a lot of the times um this uh, feeling of like anxiety and wanting to be perfect like it manifests because whatever we're trying to do is actually so important to us like it speaks to us of something that we really value and we really want to be good at this and so instead of ignoring the feeling, just kind of shifting the focus um, in that moment to, yes, okay, I'm feeling like an imposter right now. And where do I want to put the value of my work here? Like, what do I want to do well? What is, the, um, what is the work that I want to put out? And I think a practical application of that, like for me in my career, it's really thinking about like, what the patient in front of me actually needs from me and how can i be of service to that either like from my own like knowledge or my own work or is there someone that i could refer to or is there someone that can help them better so just like shifting it into that um, thinking of like what do i need to do in this moment like what do i need to be in service of um has actually been helpful for me in kind of stepping out of that imposter's shoes wow i think we have a lot of 
takeaways. We talked about what really is imposter syndrome, what we heard about it, what we're experiencing it, you know, the impact of imposter syndrome in our lives, um, and some tips and tricks on how we can embrace, call it out, um, and overcome imposter syndrome in our own way. So love what we talked about. I know this podcast episode is going to be a long ass one. <laughs> but it's so important um but we would also love to hear from our listeners you know your own stories and experiences of imposter syndrome and you know connect with us like please connect with us on instagram at what would Ani say send us a dm or leave us a comment on our post or stories um or you can even write um to us about your experiences via email at what would Ani say at gmail.com we look forward to hearing from you and we hope that this really helped to relate connect and really reflect on your experience so far um but yeah this is the end of the episode and we will connect with you guys soon thank you bye everyone bye bye